Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there. Welcome to the show brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% Square Ball discount on your legal fees, which will go up to 20% if you're in the key worker groups. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Square Ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. With me, Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White's here as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Remaining copies of our promotion summer special on sale on our website right now. All 228 pages of it. We are printing the second batch in the coming days. So it will be delivered to you in a couple of weeks. And it really is the last time it's getting printed as well. So if you do want to get hold of one, get one now. Same place if you want to find the merch via our website, thesquareball.net. What was it that David Conn wrote? Was the book called Richer Than God? Are we awash with money now? Are we pissing money out of all of our ears and our eyes and our orifices? <laughs> It, that, you make it sound like a bad thing. We've got the Midas touch, bing bong. Who sang that? Come on, Dan, you were a DJ. You must have played this all the time. Midas touch, midnight star. There we go. Ah. We've got the Midas touch. Yes. Ding dong. You see, I wasn't having an episode. It's been a strange week, hasn't it? I, I feel a sense of of both pride and panic and enthusiasm and fear. It's all very strange. But it's good, I think, isn't it? Good signing good players, I think. I like the way we announce them quietly. Don't know if it's COVID. Don't know if it's because people are in different countries, but there was no Jean-Kevin Augustine getting off a private plane swanning around in a hotel video this time, was there? Just a tweet player in a lead shirt, we've signed this guy. Do you like him? Yes, that's fine. Do that again. All right, here's another one. Great. Yeah, I do suspect COVID has played a part in that because otherwise we'd be getting slow-mos in the dark, all that kind of moody stuff, wouldn't we? But... um as it is, filmed on a phone in Valencia. You're done. Talking about Rodrigo, of course. Michael, how do you feel about Leeds United spending £27 million on a footballer when you are very much the tightest man in Yorkshire and hate spending even a pound? I mean, how much was Tony Yeboa? A few million? This is far too much. 3.7 from memory. 3.5, 3.7. I mean, is this is this guy really eight or nine times better than Tony Yeboa? I don't think he is. Because that's my expectation. I've watched him on YouTube. And he looks very good. Do a lot of he does. do a lot of things I can't do any of that stuff. So on that basis, I think he's he's probably a, a good player. And he's doing it at a very good level as well. Because I know we we always have this where you you look at anyone on YouTube and Jordan Bataka looks like the finest player in the world. But which he was and is. Which he was and is. But when you're watching these clips of of, of Rodney, he's doing it against Chelsea and Barcelona and 
Champions League teams and that's and that's not where we are yet but it's where we're going to be within a couple of weeks I think we're going to be in that top four and not just any Chelsea it was Frank Lampard's Chelsea as well which is the, the sternest of the Chelsea's I mean when you've got an effect like the Frank Lampard effect it takes real genius to overcome it so it's good to know that we've signed that he is very expensive but he's of an extremely high calibre and we are shopping now well in a supermarket that we're not used to shopping in we've dispensed with the budget netto and we've Climbed up through Aldi and the sort of uh, fair, you know middling supermarkets to get out of the championship. We've gone right in at Waitrose here, haven't we? Well, we've gone to the uh, the closing down sale at Valencia, which I think has a quite a beautiful um, synchronicity to it. They helped begin our downfall that sent us down to League One, and now because they, like us back then in two thousand and one, haven't qualified for the Champions League, financial trouble. Got to sell a few players. Who's going to go and buy him? Us. Can we get him to pay half the wages like we had to do? Or are we covering all of the bill? I will say this. This one, it kind of crept up on us almost. It was it was a stealthy, speedy attack, really, because a week ago when we recorded, we were kind of just brushing past this one as if to say, ha, that's not going to happen. And before you know it, it just exploded into life. It's, it's a bit mental, isn't it? Well, there just seem to be much more realistic targets on the list, like... Getting Ollie Watkins seemed seemed fair enough. Like, yeah, that's that's about right for a newly promoted team. Someone out, the good player out of the championship, and I'm sure the club even stated at some point that they, that's the sort of signing they were looking to make was nice, sensible building of promising young players from the championship who can grow with the club. And instead, we've just gone. Do you know what? This guy's absolutely in his prime, and he's thirty million quid, and we're just going to fucking have him because he's great and we want him. I do like the uh, the hints that have been dropped about Bielsa's reaction to this where he said well yeah he's brilliant but is it possible and now here he is there you go Bielsa have that now sign your fucking contract you mardy bastard what was the phrase that Phil Hay used they didn't think he was affordable or attainable and look at that they just went out and got him because we can because we are leads we've got Marcelo Bielsa and that's great isn't it we've been so down on ourselves over the years we don't realise how, how gorgeous we are how, how attractive we are to people they were like well who was really be the coolest guy in school <laughs> Surely you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to go out with me. Like, yeah, of course I would. You're, you're Premier League, Bielsa, Leeds United. And Rodrigo does seem like the more level-headed of the uh, footballing superstars. I'm sure everybody's gone and read the, the thing in The Guardian from a few years ago when he was looking back at his time at Bolton and then his, there's his uh, introductory interview where he speaks very good English, which obviously helps when you come into play in England. He He, he seems to have that normality where he's not, gonna you know put a, a something in his contract about needing 10 gold plated El Juf statues for him to even consider signing for the club and if you look at his career there's obviously we mentioned last time the weird thing where Peter Lim who also owns Salford City just bought him which is a bit weird but since he left Benfica he's just played for Valencia for ages and that's fine that's kind of the the evidence of a player that's not chipping around, going from club to club, getting paycheck after paycheck. He's just played his football for a team where they're, they're quite good. He's very good. Everybody's happy. And then you can come to Leeds. It's like, well, you know, it's got to be better than fucking Bolton. So everything's on the uh, on the up and up. So I don't think it, it necessarily needed anything outrageous to bring him here, which helps. I suspect he's been able to go on holiday without employing a videographer as well, which is in a full film crew and a sound man and everything, which is one advantage over some of the championship players we were looking at. That is one factor, I would say, in the recruitment that 
they've pursued when we spoke to Phil Hay and he said about, you know, the Ben Rama video actually did raise some eyebrows at Ellen Road about the sort of person that you're going to get. And you contrast that with Rodrigo, who has very much arrived at the world class level. And he just seems really, really humble, the, the humility. And like, did you see his farewell video that he did to the Valencia fans of him sat in his apartment watching video clips and sort of reminiscing? And it was, you know, put together and a little bit contrived and a little bit cheesy, but the sentiment was actually completely correct in that he was showing them great respect and, and thanks for having been there. And I thought in his interviews, he just came across really, really well, just like a normal guy. And I think there's a difference between putting together a, a nice video to show that you appreciated the support of a team and you appreciate that bit of your career as opposed to just saying, I've got a, a gold-plated beard trimmer, which is what the Ben Rama one more or less said. And I think there's a, an advantage there with his his age because there is a bit of a an eyebrow involved when he's uh, he's 29 years old because you could argue his, his best years are behind him, but then Pablo Hernandez's best years were just beginning at 29. So I'm not sure that argument holds up, but it does mean... He has that maturity where, I mean, I don't know what he was like as a as a kid. He was actually, I noticed he was in the same Real Madrid, Castilla, their B team, as Samuel Saiz in 2009-10. So I don't know if when uh, Saiz was out boozing every night, if he had to come into training the next day and Rodrigo was there, just Samu, Samu, Samu. What will ever become of you? But looking through his uh, his Instagram it's generally just pictures of him. Like he just puts a picture of him playing football. It's like, oh, here's me playing for Valencia. And then they gave me a shirt because I played 200 games. And then me and my missus have had a baby. So here's us looking happy with the baby. And on the training pitch, it's all that kind of hard work at training today. And then like a photo on a plane with some Spain teammates and off to the next match, which is good. That's what you like from a, a footballer, somebody who concentrates on the football and, the bunch we have at Leeds with, you know, Click is in his late 20s, Ailing, Cooper, they do all seem very kind of like work hard, play football, put a picture of us having maybe dinner. Maybe we've gone out for a few halves, put that on Instagram, and it all seems to, to fit together quite well. And these things, you know, it's crazy. I'm sure if we weren't analysing Tony DeRigo's Instagram, had he been signing in. 1991, but it's 2020 and we look at these things and we judge them. He failed to mention that he's got massive arms as well. Oh, he looks strong. Yeah. I mean, this the, the things as you gradually work out. His Instagram's mundane. He seems to be better at football than most of the footballers and he seems quite strong as well. Big, like he's, he works out. That's some thorough technical analysis for you there on the Square Ball podcast. We are here if you do need us to break anything down for you into its constituent parts. I mean, there is a slight concern about the number of goals that he, um, they scored, but anybody who's watched a Bielsa side play and we've learned from watching what he expects and what he wants from Patrick Bamford is that goals is not everything. Of course, we want him to score goals, but it's just his style of link-up play. You saw the videos and you just go, yep, he's going to slot right in absolutely perfectly. And I mean, if he's good enough to get in the Spain team, I think he's good enough to get in our team, isn't he? The- if someone had told us four years ago, five years, six years ago, when we were signing Nikia Jose, that we'd be getting a Spanish international, a current starting Spanish international, and people would be going, "But is he good enough? But does he is he really what we need?" It would have seemed mental. Yeah, you said goals aren't the the be all and end all. I think what Bielsa wants more is versatility, and that's maybe what sealed the deal when he looks at where he can play. Well, he can play as 
as a striker, he can play as a number 10, he can play out wide. He can see, imagine Bielsa sort of going through the profile, yes, but where else? Can he play left back? Well, he could, I mean, maybe at a push, mm, bueno. Nicky Jose is younger though. I did just look him up. Still only 28, Jose. Bring him back. Where is he? Exeter, who are in League Two, I think now. He was very much caught up in a, a disaster that was not of his making, really, wasn't he? He looks all right, actually. He has he had a couple of decent matches. He wasn't the worst. Bless him. Fair to say we've taken divergent paths since that point, though, because we're certainly levelling up. Uh, if you do want the full lowdown on Rodrigo, by the way, Phil Hay is doing a big analysis piece on him this week for The Athletic. Don't think he'll be telling you anything I haven't told you already. He might have actual measurements of those biceps. We'll get the lowdown on how it all unfolded when we catch up with Phil on our podcast for The Athletic. Call the Phil Hay Show later on this week. Find out where you found this. And you can read about the new analytics people at Leeds United and a bit on Stuart McKinstry as well, the young lad who's just signed a new contract. And if you haven't yet tried out The Athletic, gloriously ad-free and you are not lured in by those horrible clickbait stories. Just Phil's top draw coverage of Leeds. You've got access to everything The Athletic covers worldwide, including the Premier League. Uh, right now, 40% square ball discount if you sign up at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. On to Robin Cock, who has come in in defence. Ben who is the question that we're now asking, isn't it? He's cheaper and he's, I'm going to say he's better, even though I've never seen him play. I mean, let, let's start on Ben White, because I think there's been a bit of rewriting of history about Ben White since we've signed him. Ben White was incredibly good for us and I will always love him a little bit unless he signs to score in future, in which case he'll tarnish it slightly. But I think we all agree that he was he's probably the best defender we've had for potentially since like Rio Ferdinand, peak Lucas Radaby sort of days. He was absolutely unbelievable last year, but we can't afford him. And Brighton won't let us have him. So this guy seems incredibly good for the money we've paid for him. And he'll never play that well again. So why sign a player who has peaked and is now on the way down when... Um... We can get a player who's just breaking into the German national team and is uh, twice the player that Ben White will ever be again. Not denying that he was great and he will always um, be remembered plainly obvious. He'll never achieve anything like that ever again. It will be interesting to chart his career path from here because him staying at Brighton, actually, given how this has unfolded, is possibly the least worst option out of those on the table because he's apparently got a contract on the table of 35 grand a week five year deal with a pay rise built in each year that was the report but the fact that he's still at Brighton and you would imagine there's going to be like a relegation release clause in that one so there may be an opportunity further down the line because you know how Leeds and Bielsa and Orta get wedded to players they may end up going back in for him if as we sincerely hope Brighton get relegated this year and it's good for Brighton as well because they will get a decent wedge for him and then he gets to come to the club he wanted to come to in the first place Will he still be the same player, though? I can picture him in pre-season training now trying to say, well, Marcelo taught me to do, and Graham Potter just staring at him. Don't want to hear that man's name. You don't do those things anymore. You play my way. All right, so just hoof it, hoof it out of play. Yes, throw-ins. That's what we want, throw-ins up the pitch. By the sounds of it, this ended up with Ben White not quite wanting to force through the move. They've obviously turned down multiple contracts, and... You get the sense the agent has done right by him in terms of money, but has he done right by him in terms of career? I guess we will see that one as it unfolds because you never know. He might not adapt, let's say, to a zonal marking system if Brighton were to employ that, or he might not adapt that well to three at the back, whereas obviously it was man-to-man at Leeds and he's playing alongside Liam Cooper. So there may be a degree of uh, wondering what's going to happen to him at this point. He might not adapt that well to playing so close to water either because he's never really played for Brighton, just visited it. So... 
that may be a struggle there. The salty sea air, which will also be something that will rule him out of a future move to Liverpool, as we discussed last week. Cochran looks like an absolute bargain at, what, 12 and a bit million quid? It looks like Megan Rapinoe. It's the first thing I thought. He's gone to, uh, gone to the hairdressers and got himself a Rapinoe and it looked very good on him. I did immediately think he's he's going to be friends with um, with Alioski. Was the first thing I just thought of seeing his hair. I don't know why he just he just has that sort of look about him. The older Leeds fan may remember Vanilla Ice. We've had a number of tweets suggesting that he resembles uh, Robert Van Winkle. Um, so thank you to those people who tweeted us and pointed this out. But yeah, he looks good, doesn't he? Um, he knows about Leeds via his dad and the Amazon documentary. You forget actually when you sign in a twenty four year old who's going to be coming into his peak years now. These people are just children and missed most of when Leeds United were good. And maybe the true value of the Amazon documentary showing itself there, that someone's like, oh, it's those people. Whether or not he'd have been interested in Sunderland for the same reasons, they've caught a glimpse of their Netflix triumph and decided he would fancy that, I'm not sure. But I think the the price on this deal kind of shows why we've done it, because as much as we might have wanted Ben White, it's like, well, look how cheap he is. Look what he's done. I mean, he's had... Two full seasons in the Bundesliga. He's played well enough there to get a Germany call up, and get. A, I know we've had internationals in the team for a few years, but no one of the caliber of Spain and Germany. These are these are actually properly good sides, and we're just going in and getting getting their players. And it's it's really really strange. I'm still not, I can't quite get used to it again. It feels like Leeds of old. It does seem quite well planned. There was the spell earlier in the year when after Victor Rota had mentioned that he had a file on Robin Cock for his future database reasons that every single clickbait web- website just went leads after German international defender again and again and again. And it turns out absolutely right though, but it kind of is, um, it shows what he was planning all along. We have a list of players who, if they become available, we work out if we can get them or not. And the way it was wrapped up quite quickly after it became clear that Ben White wasn't going anywhere, there's, you know, those noises became very definite when they had his agent on Sky going, <laughs> well, he's certainly not going to Leeds. And Brighton saying that, you know, they'll sell sell him to anybody, but they'd probably soon to sell him to Crystal Palace, who they have that weird competition with. So we just went and got the German guy from the from the index cards, go through the roller decks. Remember him? He was good. All right, yeah, we'll have him then. Fine. It's strange talking about the way we operate and getting people if we can if we think they're good value I remember I'm pretty sure he was on Radio Leeds to talk about the awful badge that we'd released the same day but Angus Kinnear was saying on there he was being as well as just saying what the hell have you done with our crest someone was asking him about John Hugill on there or Hugill I don't know if you want to pronounce it but he was being linked with with us at that point I think he ended up going to West Ham and not doing anything at all there but Kinnear basically said he's not good value if he was good value we'd buy him but he's not and that's why we got Adam Forshaw. It's why we won't be buying Jordan Hugel. But we're doing that now, but at a much, much higher level, it seems. And there's the other point that if we have saved, let's say, 15 to 20 million quid getting cock rather than Ben White, if that then opens the door to someone like Rodrigo de Paul, if the budget then stretches to that, because we're recording on Sunday evening at a time when this rumour has just exploded into life. And as it stands at the minute, uh, the club are not denying it. And it's been reported by some fairly well-connected journalists in Italy that this is taking place. So we'll watch this one with great interest. But this, again, it's another level up, isn't it? We've not just gone and dropped 27 million quid on, on Rodrigo. We're going to follow it up by potentially smashing that one again. And he is showbiz royalty as well. I'm sure a lot of people remember 
Lindsay DePaul, the singer who was a, a regular on Blankety Blank in the 1980s. And um, after she married Sean Paul, this is their child. So steeped in celebrity heritage, mystery, <laughs> heritage, mystery, glamour. Moscow, I can't believe you've missed off, off the drag race as well. Rodrigo DePaul's drag race. And, um, and a fine line in Rolling Stones uh, swimming trunks as well. This is the sort of thing that if it had been on the sheet three weeks ago, we would have probably gone, yeah, current Argentina international, been linked with Juventus and Inter, 30 million quid. Yeah, it's not going to happen, is it? Well, let's talk about um, Buendia instead. But now, maybe. In particular, because it's, it's whether or not these things start a bit of a snowball effect as well. You can go to him and say, well, we've got the other Rodrigo. We've got Robin Cockin. Why don't you come and join us? It's going to all be. It's going to be a great year. Uh, don't don't look um, some of the other players in the squad. You won't have heard of them. But just look at these new ones. They're good. Your name begins with R, and their name begins with R. What are you waiting for? Sign the contract. If you are a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know in recent weeks we have put in place the internet bollocks section, IB as the cool kids call it, and we put each of these transfer rumours through a complicated algorithm to determine whether they should fall in the genuine speculation part of the show or the IB part of the show. And that algorithm is basically Michael's tiny mind. So two weeks ago, this is going in IB, isn't it? Right now, it seems legit, too legit to quit. There are blue tick people saying it's possible. So I'm going to I'm gonna believe it until it doesn't happen. We're at the level with this one where we can look at his highlights and criticise him for not having a left foot. That's how close we actually are to signing him. I've already got a problem with how one-footed he is. It's not a problem, actually. His, his one good foot looks absolutely incredible, so I think it would probably be fine. I was going to say, Diego Maradona, I've only ever used one foot, and he was, he was fine. Yeah, he used his hand as well. He also has, he does already have a Welcome to Leeds YouTube video, this guy as well, which I know you said they do change them as the, as the transfer room has changed, but yeah, he's on there now, so you can watch a, watch a video of his, his highlights, which do look very impressive, I have to say with the full belief that he has actually already signed for us. We'll rattle through the rest of the um, rumours and confirms then at the minute. Sam Greenwood, lad from Arsenal, has been brought in. And, you know, you'd normally be quite excited about this where we're not going absolutely insane buying these international players because he looks really good. And that's, it's no, it's no small beer paying a fee of one and a half million quid for a kid rising up to, to three. That that not so long ago is Lukey millions and a half, isn't it? That's fuck all to us now. Probably found that down the back of a sofa in the East stand. I think we've learned as well, though, that these signings go into the under-23s and either do well there and leave or do nothing there and leave or stay. Yeah, I think people have started to get into the mindset now that when we do sign an 18-year-old, they aren't going to start playing. He's not going to be starting against Liverpool in a couple of weeks. He'll be planning to either come through in a few years, maybe once um, lazy old Rodrigo's elderly legs have dropped off and we'll, we'll need this guy to replace him or that we'll just end up selling him to some random club in Spain. But he does look he does look good. Make him go to Bradford. That's what should happen to our rejected youth prospects. I'm, I'm already looking forward to selling him to Bradford. Well, there was the, um, the loan link for Alfie McCalmont to go to a club in Spain, wasn't there? Should be quite exciting. I mean, it's, um, I understand Barcelona are going through a, a rebuilding process at the, at the moment, so I think it'll be a good opportunity for him. They were linked with Michael Keane the other week, so stranger things have happened. Speaking of random Spanish clubs, Rafa Mujica has gone to Oviedo on loan. It seems like we don't really want him. He came in at that time when we were just accumulating loads of uh, under-23. I don't want to call them landfill, but 
I'll call him landfill. And he's still here, but he's not ever quite left and he doesn't seem to be really wanted all that much. Can't bear to have him at the ground by the uh, the looks of it. As soon as he arrives back, like, oh Christ, he's come back. Um, someone sort something out to get him out of here again. I don't know. Are Ravi do any good? Will he come back ever? The guy who had him on loan last season reckons he could go on to play at an elite level. This is his interview this week. He's talking about him going on loan again. He says, yeah, he's a, he's a good player and could probably play at a higher level than he has done so far. So so there's, it's not like there's nothing there. And, you know, clubs seem to keep wanting him, so so that's fine. But, you know, things change, don't you? You sign a player when you're... He's from the first summer, isn't he? So we were just mid-table championship. So you sign a player based on where you, you think you are at that point. Now, you, you laugh at that sort of thing. If Rafa does come back to uh, to Thorpe Arch, just laugh at him, smirk behind his back. Makes you wonder with the whole um, Rodrigo de Paul thing whether the Ryan Kent second bid never went in because they maybe had a sniff of this elsewhere and uh, they're just biding the time with that. And with all due respect to Ryan Kent, who looks like a very talented footballer, I want de Paul now just because he's a lot more expensive and he looks spectacular on a beach. I don't think Ryan Kent's pulling that off quite so well. Not in Glasgow, he isn't anyway. What's the beaches like there? Not quite the same as what uh, Rodrigo too is um, wandering up and down in his. They're quite impressive um, Rolling Stones shorts, covered with the uh, the tongue, the um, logo. Wonder if he's that much of a fan because he's got to be a big fan to get the swimming trunks. He's, he's a fan of dogs as well. Did you notice his tattoo? Is it a Labrador on his thigh? He's a fan of a dog, isn't he? <laughs> it's called Rocky. I don't know if it's. If Rocky is like the god of dogs and he got it to represent all dogs, the patron saint. I think it's unlikely that you just like one dog. Well, you might like other dogs, but he's specifically got one dog named on his all of his thigh. It's not like he just, you know, he's got a, a favourite breed that he's represented. He's like, oh, I really like that. And he may meet another dog in the street and think it's <laughs> nice, but he's not going to go to the trouble of getting a tattoo to commemorate the moment I think this one dog he's got tattooed meant quite a lot to him you've not seen his back it says um, yo amo los perros which means I love dogs he's got that written on you, you can't see it on that picture but I can assure you that's what it says great news for Calvin Phillips this is not new news but we shall cover it off anyway he looked delighted and he is no doubt going to be England's defensive midfielder for the rest of his career at Leeds I don't see any reason why not He's better than Declan Rice, despite what that pissed idiot said to him when he's ruined his holiday. And he looks so happy about it as well. Do other players look this happy? I don't think any of the, the Chelsea bunch where Frank Lampard has basically raised them all to just expect this kind of thing. It's like, you, you should have been playing for England when you were 12. Don't know what they're fucking playing at. Whereas Calvin, it kind of, when they did the, uh, the LUTV interview with him and it's Ben Parker, I got the sense that instead of asking him any questions, Ben Parker just wanted to tickle him. And even though he didn't, Calvin just like kind of had the face as if he was being tickled anyway. I don't know if somebody, if maybe Emma Jones was creeping in with a feather on his foot or something. Or it's just the pleasure of having Gareth Southgate phone you up and say, you are going to be captaining England for the forthcoming matches, the, uh, the first of your 150 caps. Calvin does just have that sort of a face, doesn't he? We've talked at length about his lovely face on many an occasion, but whether he's being yelled at by a man in a garage or given an England cap by Gareth Southgate, he's equally happy with all of it. He just loves life. 
tell you wasn't happy though. Young Jack Grealish, in many ways, the second best thing about Calvin getting called up was Jack Grealish not getting called up and the subsequent tears flooding the canals of the West Midlands, of which there are a great many, might I add. More than Venice, as people from Birmingham will always be quick to tell you. The fact that the canals are going through um, a, a shithole does ruin them somewhat, but there are more than Venice. There was uh, Grealish like that tweet, didn't he? Questioning how Phillips had gone in and uh, and he hadn't. The, the people of Birmingham do seem to be outraged, and I've got to say, if what they think is true, that this is all a conspiracy that uh, basically Harrogate's Gareth Southgate has got together in Betty's tea rooms over a, a fat rascal with Harry Gration and the ghost of Fred Dibner and basically just decided to screw Jack Grealish for absolutely no reason, then I salute you, Gareth Southgate, and I uh, I no longer care about all the goals you scored against Leeds. Can I just say that Fred Dibner was actually from Lancashire, Moscow? Was he? Yeah. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Okay, shall I change that then? Nah. No, no, you can just be wrong. There is a weird entitlement both to Grealish's lack of understanding about not getting called up and the fans who absolutely insist that he should be getting called up because we've been digging about a little bit. And this one comes from the Claret and Blue podcast. We've both got smiles on our faces. I don't know why, because we've prepped to do a podcast, hopefully talking about Jack Grealish in the England squad. And 20 minutes ago, it's announced that he isn't in the squad. Can't catch my breath. I'm laughing in shock, to be fair. And it also, I told myself the article, Jackson. I, f- I thought he was a banker. I thought he was yeah. nailed on, to be honest with you. Um, and then to see the squad, it's just laughable, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I dug, dug, dug deep into the comments today of what Gareth Southgate said last time around, and, and they were quite catty back then. He, he said, yeah, Grealish's played well, but it was against Brighton. Brighton game, yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember yeah. that. He was like, oh, yeah, but they'd had a man sent off after an I hour. Looked, I looked into a bit there. He, he wasn't keen back then, was he? And what does he have to do to get in this team? You look at the players that are in there now as well. You've got Eric Dyer. You've got Calvin Phillips as well. I thought, I thought his role was not to pick championship players, but he's, he's in yeah. there as well. So I did a piece the other day, Phil Foden. He's, he's had nine Premier League starts this year. Don't get me wrong, he's an incredibly talented kid, but Jack Grealish has done it all for Villa. He's carried him over the survival line. He's had the weight to come on his shoulders. God, that accent's hard work, isn't it? <laughs> I will say, um, a bad... Well, a broken bit of goal line technology got Villa over the survival line. Actually, it wasn't Jack Grealish. Or Catty. I, I love the uh, the Catty Gareth Southgate, but that contains the um, the real germ of what has real piss, really pissed them off is that when uh, when Jack Grealish was in the championship and they were all convinced that he should be playing for England, Gareth Southgate said, well, he, he needs to prove himself in the Premier League. And then one of their other podcasts, this guy off YouTube, UTV, has a very entertaining statistical argument about um, Calvin Phillips' Premier League career. Grealish got told that he had to have the Premier League experience, which, okay, you're sort of thinking, well, fair enough, if that's your criteria, if that's your remit, then, you know, we'll go with that. So Calvin Phillips has been promoted with Leeds United. He's played no Premier League games. He's created no Premier League goals, no assists, no chances created, nothing. And he's now been picked. I mean someone explain to me how Calvin Phillips has been fit picked and Jack Grealish hasn't. I think we can explain that, can't we? In that they play in different positions for a start and what else? He's better. <laughs> I think with that, I'd be tempted to go down a really obtuse line of argument with him and just go, yeah, he has played in the Premier League, he's played loads of games. 
and just watch them get more and more angry when they're going, he hasn't, he's not played any. He go, he has, he played, he has, he's played about 200 games in the Premier League. Just, just watch him explode. That's the same bloke as the first two as well, by the way. These are all the same person. They were all enslaved as well, weren't they? <laughs> what I do like is the slight intellectual dishonesty about it in that they're absolutely pinning Gareth Southgate to those words. They're holding them to those words. They might not be prepared to admit it to themselves, but it could just be that he isn't as good as they think he is. And he's, he's undoubtedly a good player, Greenish. He has talent, but he might not be quite as good as they imagine him to be. I, I, I love, because what Southgate said is that Grealish has to prove himself in the Premier League, and he hasn't. Whereas Calvin Phillips, he's never said that about him, prove himself in the Championship, and he has. He's good enough to play for England. It's, it's different players, different rules. Fuck off. And Grealish did prove himself incapable of staying in during lockdown as well. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, we've got a, a kid off YouTube who... Uh, He's convinced that there is something personal, that there's some kind of vendetta. And he also has, like, I mean, we talk about um, internet bollocks. This is an incredible transfer rumour from this young man in his bedroom. But Calvin, yeah, legitimately, he's played in the Premier League. He has, right? Just because he's got promoted to the Premier League doesn't mean he's played in the Premier League. He's got, he hasn't got one minute of Premier League football under his belt yet. For all you know, he could... Leeds could sell him and he could go to Oldham Athletic for ne- next season and he could never play in the Premier League. Gareth, mate, you've got an, you, he's got something against Jack Grealish. He's, he's got something against Jack Grealish. And I, I don't like it. I really don't like it. Do Oldham have the 30 to 50 million or whatever it is that it would take now to buy Calvin Phillips? England's Calvin Phillips? It's a common career tra- trajectory is that you get called well, up to England. Well, they've got Harry Kewell as manager, so maybe he could use his personal wealth. I mean, we shouldn't rule out this theory just out of hand, just because it has come from the, the mouth of a schoolboy. He, he might know what he's talking about. He's got a YouTube channel, which we are incidentally deliberately not naming because please don't go and hunt out children <laughs> on the internet and, and have a go at them. And he's very upset. The um, I felt like um, this next clip basically summed up all of the reaction from all of the Aston Villa fans, young as he is, this is more eloquent than, than most of what I heard on the, the more professional podcasts. I, I, just, I just can't get over it, man. Like, why? What does, what, what does Gareth Southgate have against Jack Grealish? Go on, now say it without crying. <laughs> why? Most of the video, it's about a 10-minute video and it is mostly just that. It's like him going, why? And then just a really awkward silence until, until he looks at the squad again and, and can't believe what he's seeing. How can the earth be a big circle? Because water doesn't bend. I've had a look in me sink and it's completely flat. It, it's Southgate. It's Southgate. He's, 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 he's tricking his own. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Long may it continue. I like the way that the world has shifted in our favour, even if it is only temporary. Let's enjoy it whilst it has. I enjoyed the, the young fella who, at the end, he, he could tell he, he said he's got something against him and that you could hear him clicking his fingers. He was going, I can't really do it. He was doing like Ali G finger clicks at the end, like, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's what it is. It's bloody Southgate. Hey, let's move on. I'll talk about the telly. Liverpool game is on Sky, the 5.30 kickoff, and then the Sheffield United game has been moved to the Sunday lunchtime for BT coverage in the UK, which will net us 
£2.2 million in Premier League facility fees because you get like 1.1 million quid per TV appearance in the UK. That's all right, isn't it? Considering what last season we got about three million all in, Angus Kinnear told us. Yeah, was it a hundred? Was it even hundred grand per per game shown in the championship, or was it even less? I can't remember. It was fuck all, basically. It was even less if you were the away team, which we are for both of these. Yeah, it was a hundred grand for the home games and ten grand for the away games. So what's 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 t- how many times would you have to multiply ten thousand to get a million? <laughs> Lots. A lot, Oscar. So it's a, it's a lot more than we were getting. So it does kind of uh, take the edge off them moving these games around. Although, admittedly, I'm not getting that million pounds. Maybe I should. And in fairness, the thing of moving TV fixtures was always that it was an inconvenience for the fans who were going, which is not really something to concern ourselves with at the moment, is it? So whatever, really. Stick them on where you fancy and give us some money. And it will be a source of great pride seeing Leeds at Anfield. Going to love that, especially as we... Uh, We'll probably beat them now because they've got a terrible collar on their red shirts. I couldn't accept that on the um, the Charity Shield game against Arsenal. Dreadful. Double collar. Which one don't you like? The front collar or the back collar? I've not even seen this. I, I completely forgot that it was even happening yesterday, which is uh, a bit of a shame because I, I used to like watching the Charity Shield and I'm still calling it that. Right, let's see this collar. Liverpool are out trying to trick people. It's like one of those... Uh... It's like a, a two-way shirt and they're drawing. They're all shaving their heads and drawing eyes, nose and a mouth on the back so that nobody knows if uh, if Mohamed Salah is running towards you or away from you. And yes, he is the Liverpool player I've heard of. Such a special colour. I had a bit of a dive into the Premier League revenues yesterday because this sort of piqued my interest a little bit. And people are wondering, where are we getting this money from to pay for all these exotic uh, international footballers? Well, the truth is, it's all coming from broadcast money because the Premier League money that you get, it's awarded in three different areas. So you get flat fees that are split equally between the clubs. You also get number of TV appearances. Obviously, the more you're on, the more you get. Plus, where you finish in the league gets you merit payments. And last year, Norwich got 94 and a half million quid. They were the lowest earning out of all the uh, the Premier League clubs from the Premier League fees. Obviously, anything you earn on top of that, shirt sales, sponsorship, etc., etc., goes on top of this but yeah 94 and a half million quid for Norwich Liverpool topped it out with 174.6 million it averages out at around 132 million pounds per club per season so we just spend it all on footballers straight away although there is some argument to that because of the merit payments because you could I mean the aim for this season realistically although we are in with a good chance of winning the Premier League success would be not getting relegated and finishing 17th but then the better players you've got who can maybe push your horizons up a little bit higher every place up the table is worth like another one and a half million quid from what I can see here so last season Aston Villa's merit payment was 7.1 million for finishing 17th but if you get up to 12th that's suddenly 16 million and that's more that's more money (laughs) so making more money means that you can then the next season, you can buy more expensive footballers. And I think there's kind of a, I think studies have linked the uh, the amount you spend on a, a footballer. Often you'll get a better player if you pay more for them. Well, actually, Moscow, that's only half the story, you know. The merit payments are now split into two. There's the domestic merit payments, which you've just mentioned there. And then there's the overseas merit payments because the overseas TV money has gone up and they've decided to incentivize it based on merit payments. So now... 
every league place is worth 3.2 million quid. So jump up three places, you're another 10 million quid better off. It's an absolute fortune. We're going to be so rich. Speaking of all our glorious exotic internationals, we've got quite a lot on the list now. We've got Rodrigo for Spain, Cock for Germany, Click Poland, Cooper, Scotland, Tyro going to Wales, Alioski, North Macedonia, Stuart Dallas going to Northern Ireland, and Melier has been called up by the France under-21s, and Liam McCarran, Scotland under-21s. And obviously soon we'll have uh, Rodrigo de Paul, who's in the Argentina first team, which is hilarious. McCarran signed a new deal today as well, hasn't he? He's been pictured with fellow Scotsman-ish, uh, uh, Holes, Liam Cooper, and um, Barry Douglas. On the, the call-ups, I'm a little bit disappointed that Melier is only in the under-21s. I think it's about time Fabian Partez lost his place. The big risk in all this, of course, well, there's two big risks. Stuart Dallas has had a proper tantrum about these games even being played. Um, I've not got the quote, but he's he's proper unhappy that everybody's having to fly around Europe in the middle of a pandemic and a week before the season starts. I don't think he sees the the sense in it. The other one is that the the, uh, the first in the first uh, batch of games next week, it's um, Robin versus Rodrigo, Germany versus Spain, and it's a defender against a striker, and they're going to hurt each other and hate each other, and it's all going to go horribly wrong. Did you notice that Jurgen Klopp was getting his excuses in early as well about these uh, these international fixtures, complaining about them, saying, we've got loads more internationals than Leeds, so they'll be a lot better prepared for the um, the season opener at Anfield in a couple of weeks' time. They're only going to have three days to prepare, bless them. What a, what a horrible position to be in, to have a full squad of top international players. Poor Jürgen. I have now found a quote from our top international player, Stuart Dallas, who said, uh, I just can't help but feel these games shouldn't be played. I don't know if that's controversial or not, but I think it's disrupting everything. It's ridiculous that the, uh, the season is starting less than a week later. The Champions League just finished last week. Now some of those players have to go straight into their international teams. So you see, it's not like Jurgen Klopp winching about his own uh, lookout. It's Stuart Dallas. He cares about whether Neymar is getting enough time off. So that's good of him. I tend to agree with him as well. Yeah, and he says, obviously, the risk of the virus is high. For me, it's silly. It shouldn't be played. And for the English leagues, it's coming at the most ridiculous time. We have players who might not return until Wednesday or Thursday. That's two days before Liverpool. It's madness that they have to do this. But it'll be even more of a madness when we win. He doesn't say that. I'm saying that, just in case there's any doubt. Well, we won't be going to Anfield, but it looks like we will be getting to see a few games across the course of the season because we saw that the Supports Trust had spoken to the club about fans being in the stadium. Seems to be the headline from that is 25% capacity for most, if not all, of the season. Meaning if you're a season ticket holder, you'll get about a quarter of the games. Rubbish. It looks terrible as well. Did you see Brighton against Chelsea this week that was played with social distancing? Looked like the worst experience in the world. I refused to watch that game because it was full of hateful figures on both teams. I didn't I didn't watch it. I've just seen pictures of it and it looks tragic. It's just people, everyone in the stadium basically has got every seat around them, both in front to the sides diagonally, has got a, seat, a spare seat around them and it just looks terrible. What do you do when you score? You just have to kind of go, yay, and give a little thumbs up to the person next to you. There's no away fans that making any noise because away fans are going to be banned. It just made me think I'm almost not even bothered about the quarter of games, to be honest, because it'll feel like a weird sort of exhibition match. We're in strange, unprecedented times, Michael. But can you be asked with it, particularly, if that's the way it looks? Because it's just not, it's not what I 
go to football for. I feel like watching it on telly will almost be a better experience than actually being there to just... I mean, I'll go if I if I get my quarter of games. Like I will, I will go to them, but I don't think I'll enjoy it. I think it'll just feel like putting a mask on, walking through the stadium, to then go and sit by yourself. Presumably, everyone's gonna. You're not even gonna be sat near people you know because everyone's gonna be completely reshuffled. It just looks terrible. What's that shit clickbait website that reports on what we say on this podcast? Oh, I can't even remember. But whatever it is, they're gonna be hacking that one to pieces. Normanton urges Leeds fans to stay away. <laughs> I mean, if people want this, it's fine, but it just looks it just looks like a Reading match. Does this Brighton game. That's all it reminds me of with the, the stripy blue and white and loads of spaces and no one looking like they're having a good time. I mean, that's the thing. Some some fans might be looking at this and thinking it's better than what they normally live through. We are lucky as Leeds fans that we still retained an atmosphere. Uh, I would go to see what it's like to experience it and just try it for myself. It does look rubbish. It does seem rubbish. I'm kind of quite blasé, not blasé, but just relaxed about it. It's like, if this is what it takes to get us through to the other side of the pandemic is that some football matches, the atmosphere isn't as good as it could be, then it's just the way it is, is kind of the the thing. I'm not in a, yeah, not in a, a, a mad hurry to experience these things that are going to be fairly rubbish. It's, what am I stumbling towards? It's like, no problem if anybody did do this, but I didn't really understand people who went rushing off on foreign holidays over the last month or so while there was a sort of a window of opportunity because none of it looked like it was going to be any good anyway. Like you still, you know, you have to sit apart in places and you, the airports are all messed up and there's the risk of having to quarantine and all this stuff just seemed like a lot of potential hassle. And maybe people did, you know, end up having a, a nice time anyway and got a break from the relentlessness of being stuck in their homes. Like I completely understand the the urge to get away, much as I understand the urge to get back into football stadiums. But I guess I'm coming round to actually agreeing with Michael 100% where it is where the result that you end up with then is actually not going to be great. I think where I differ from Michael is that I'm kind of, I'm not feeling, I get the sense he's a little bit miffed, whereas I'm just kind of more like, well, this is, it's shit and we've got to deal with it. Oh, no, we have. I'm not, and I'm not suggesting that my solution would be to just let everyone pile in and pretend everything's fine because, you know, I don't want every Leeds fan over the age of 70 to die. It'd be nice to have them there, you know, for a few more seasons, but it's just, it, as a product, it doesn't look appealing to me. You know, when you look at, when you see, you see them, everyone sat with a couple of yards of space around them. When I think about the Leeds games that I remember and the moments I've enjoyed watching Leeds, it's always been jumping around, singing, being an idiot falling over seats and stuff and none of that's going to be there it's going to be like it's going to it's going to feel weird celebrating in a in a completely in a bubble just by yourself screaming it's not going to be right and we have got to just kind of hope it doesn't go on too long as well because a point building off what you're saying there is you know you're thinking about a younger generation of fans I know Dan's taken his kids to Leeds games to let them get a taste of the atmosphere and was it your daughter who burst into tears because Michael Brown scored and you know moments like that you can't buy them but it is a, a true thing like if you take a, a kid to a match under the present circumstances and you're wanting them to get a taste for live football but they sit there and go well this is this is rubbish why don't I just it's better on my playstation and there is that kind of that risk of of disconnecting the stuff that kind of holds football together in its traditional romantic ways which is 
stadiums full of people being excited by what the footballers are doing on the pitch. It's also ruining our plan to sell magazines outside a stadium, but, you know, there's bigger things. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Listen to this Acast show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're delighted to have a Leeds company on board on the podcast supporting the show. Branches across the country and a 10% discount from your legal fees with Levi solicitors for being a listener to this show. They've got a full range of legal services for both individuals and for you. If you are a business owner, they deal with property, employment, wills, probate, all sorts of stuff. That's just some of the stuff that they do. They have everything listed on their website. Use our landing page to claim your 10% discount. And if you're a key worker, that goes up to 20%. Head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Let's pick our heroes and villains then now to close out the podcast. People who've done good, people who've done bad by us across the last seven days. First, we will pick a villain in the Ken Bates Villainy Award. The custom in this feature is that Ken Bates or one of them that we've tracked down from around the world gets a nomination, gets the opening nomination in this bit. So Ken Bates, one of them has done what? I think in this week, it's only fitting to give it to real Ken Bates because he spent years telling us we could never spend money. And look at us now, left, right and centre, chucking tens of millions of pounds around. Do you know what, Ken? It feels feels lovely. So fuck you. It's way too difficult signing players. You've got agents, the chairman. And one of the things that stands out about the Rodrigo deal is the way that they talk about, well, Andrea Radrizzani's mates with Valencia's chairman, Victor Orter, already knows the technical staff there. We've got relationships with with everybody. So it sounds like Radrizzani, the chairman at um, Valencia, sorted out the fee over dinner. Can you imagine trying to sort out a transfer fee with Ken fucking Bates over dinner? It's a different level. I mean, all of the people we're talking about, Orter and uh, Radrizzani, have their own problems. Mm, Get one up the early bird menu, please. (laughs) They have their own problems and their own quirks, but they do seem to uh, to be able to move in the uh, the corridors of football where they need to get things done with considerably less weight or baggage dragging their pants around their ankles than Ken Bates used to. You see him coming in like a fucking horror show coming down the corridor. Fucking hell, here he comes. Should we discuss this over a Chinese, Ken? So let's just run through a, a fictional scenario now then where we're in a world where Marcelo Bielsa is working for Ken Bates. It just would not, it would not happen. Suspend your disbelief just for a minute. Gwyn Williams has just suggested we sign Rodrigo. Exactly. So Gwyn's taking this one to Ken to ask about the finance. What's Ken saying? 
How much is this? How much is this going to cost? Is it more than £150,000? Because after the agents have taken their fees, he's coming. What is this fellow? Is he some sort of, um, is he some sort of, of European? Is he Spanish? Is he Italian or something? Is he some sort of, of, of Chilean? He looks, he looks a bit that way. The, the exchange fees, when Sean takes it down to the post office, often you get, it turns out the pounds are worth... With, with less than the euros that he's paid when he's gone out there. That's why I always take travellers' checks. Can we? Can we do? Can we do the deal in, in travellers' checks? Will they take that? I've got. Um, is it not? I've got keep mine in a little. Um, a, 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 I believe the Americans call them a fanny pack. So when, when I'm off on one of these dangerous holidays, in somewhere like in Eastern Europe, somewhere. Um, well, it's Czechoslovakia. You never know what the locals are going to do there. It's busy to keep the wits about you and keep the money on you. So, in short, are they open to giving him, giving him for free? Or maybe maybe he's a swap for Ramon Nunes. He's, a, he's, another, he's another one of the foreign lads. They're all doing much the same, I believe. Cheers, Ken. We'll leave it for another window. Um, we should say thanks to Eamon Condon, who uh, got in touch with us about Mayor John Giles, who is a guy we're going to suss out. We're going to check out John Giles as an alternative to this when we run out of steam on Ken Bates. Because, of course, you will be aware, if you have listened to this show, that we've tracked down Councilman Ken Bates in Casper, Wyoming, who is standing for re-election. And uh, he, likes you f- he likes freedom. He's a fan of freedom. John Giles looks a more serious character, I have to say. He's, he's, got, a, he's got a very professional-looking photograph that we've put on the prep sheet here. He, he doesn't look real, which concerns me. Have you ever seen the website, this person, it's called This Person Does Not Exist. It's like an AI thing that generates faces. He looks like one of them, but it suggests to me that he's he's probably lawyered up and he knows his shit. So um, we're going to maybe be nicer to John Giles. So I shouldn't say that the expression he's wearing looks like it's being held together by wire. Because it's too perfect. It's like the the way that the eyes are kind of slightly different opening and the the curve of the mouth the straightness of the teeth i can only imagine that if you turned him around like it's just scaffolding <laughs> holding it all perfectly in place <laughs> a few wires and chips and wires hanging out the back of him right let's do some nominations some proper ones well we mentioned uh we had we heard for quite a long time from kenneth bates there and it reminded me of um our sponsors from the ken bates uh time hesco bastion protecting the troops although in the last few years, we've heard nothing from them, so I presume they just went, fuck the troops and do what they want, not bothered anymore. But um, they've come crawling back now we're in the Premier League, saying uh, after 16 long years, said their, their statement, Leeds United have finally won their way back into the Premier League. It's like, all right, we know it took a long time, along with all the pressure this puts on the players. I mean, I'm not sure Alioski needs to hear this from Pesco Bastian, but it also brings new security considerations for the club. One concern. The protection of a temporary media compound. I mean, I know we were never particularly nice to Don Goodman, but I'm not sure anybody's going, like lining up to attack Richard Keyes if he is he still presenting Sky, whoever it is. Anyway, Pesco Bastion have come crawling back to us after all this time trying to get in on us being in the Premier League. They're not JD Sports, are they? They also reckon that we're. Um, they'll be helping with the improvement project to bring the site up to Premier League side standard. The stadium is already being made television ready, they say, with improved fog lighting. 
and the required Premier advertising spaces. Do we need fog lighting? Is that part of the Premier League spec? Somebody's got to get a, a massive fucking spotlight on the top of the East and to shine down in case there's a little bit of mist. If you've ever driven on the M621 in poor visibility, Moscow, you would know that improved fog lighting on 45-metre pylons is absolutely necessary for the beast and part of Leeds. If you're trying to spot a, a matches click penalty landing, it wasn't a penalty, was it? It was that shot against Millwall or Cardiff, one or the other. It went a long way through clouds and Hesco Bastion would have illuminated it. So they reckon now. But where were they then? As long as this doesn't mean that they're bringing bloody Ben Fry back to say all this as well. It's without a job, isn't he, at the moment, Ben Fry? Just signed off from uh, Minster FM. Could have been you that, Dan. Yes, I was beaten to that job by Ben Fry, but um, I got made unemployed from radio before him. So who's the winner now? By the better man. We, uh, well, now he's, un- now he's unemployed. We can get him for this podcast. Get rid of you. <laughs> uh, who else then besides Hesco Bastian whilst we're chucking some shade? Uh, Leeds United and Adidas. The website is shit and they've not got any stock. What a fucking shambles. We might as well get Macron back. Yeah, I mean, speaking as an organisation that has had what you might term website troubles recently, never let it be said that we're not prepared to be complete hypocrites about this. But come on, we're Premier League now. Sort it out. Sort out the website. Sort out the web shop. Put some more hamsters on some more internet wheels, whatever you need to do. Leeds United have spent £27 million on someone this week. I mean, we've, as far as I'm aware, our website sometimes breaks, but we haven't been slinging tens of millions of pounds around. The money's there. Just get it fixed, please. We're getting a new one. We are indeed. Are Leeds getting a new one? Not as far as I'm aware, so we'll have a better website than them soon. And it won't cost 27 million quid. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, who else do you want to nominate? Oh, Danny Mills, actually. He can have a nomination. I forgot he's been spouting his mouth off again, probably in exchange for, I don't know if he's getting paid cash for his quotes, but... He's probably still getting paid by Leeds. Leeds manager Marcelo Bielsa has been fired a warning about not overspending this summer. Danny Mills, he was talking about, was bidding for Ryan Kent. How, how much money have Leeds got to spend? How much do they want to spend? Do they want Rodrigo? And then do they want Ryan Kent? And then do they want somebody else? And do they need a centre-half? Yes. Yes, Danny. We do. We want all of this. Suddenly you're getting upward north of 60, 70 million. And I'm not sure Leeds want to go that far. He wasn't saying this when we were still paying his wages while he was fucking around playing for Middlesbrough, was he? Where was his concerns about how much Leeds was spending then? He'll warn Marcelo Bielsa, who would never even look twice at Danny Mills, probably just sign his head because he thinks he wants an autograph. He wasn't telling David O'Leary anything, was he? And also, I mean, I'm sure if you conned Danny Mills and were like, well, why is this too much then? What, I mean, what percentage of the turnover do you think they should be spending on, on transfers? How do you think the new, the changes to the, the merit-based overseas payments are going to affect this? Do you think it's, I mean, you think it's a worthwhile thing, Danny? And he'd be like, oh, no, it just seemed like quite a lot. So, and someone asked me, so I said that. But you don't know anything, do you, Danny? You're just making this, you're making this shit up as you go. I mean, is he getting paid for this? He must be. He's either, he's either getting paid for it or he's just really bored and he's willing to answer the phone to anyone and answer any questions about anything. I was just going to say, on the, the structure of, of the deals, how much are we buying Robin Cock for? 13 million. Right, and how much should we buy Danny Mills for? Four, four, four and a half, something like that. Right, so what's the mass on that? Three Danny Mills and one of his legs. I'd rather have Robin Cock myself. Where's the value there, Mills? Gary Kelly was always better anyway. He saw off Danny Granville, but that's no big fucking... He was a left-back, was Granville. Still saw him off. Granville took one look at him, so I'm getting the fuck out of here. And he chased him to Man City. He was sick at the sight of him. We also need to give a nod to uh, Manolo Mata, who 
started chucking some shade. He's a politician in, in the Valencia region, tweeted out insulting our great football club. He said that Rodrigo is signing for the English Wesker. Wesker being a not particularly good team. But he's a Levante fan when you look into it a bit further. And they're the other team in Valencia. They're like the, the little side that Ian Hart played for once. So he's um, he's just trying to upset Valencia fans more than Leeds fans. But he uh, he got well and truly shouted down by, by quite a lot of Valencia fans, actually. We're just pointing out that actually Leeds are a really big team and he should fuck off. You dismissed Huesca, but they're the, uh, they were the home of Samu Saiz. That's where we found little Samu. Should have kept him there, really. We spoke about Frank Lampard uh, before in the show. And what about that simpering journalist who was on Sky who spoke about the Lampard effect? Surely he can have a nomination because that made me want to throw up in my mouth. And that was an act of, of villainy. Do we know who he is? Because I found the clip and I, I don't even know who the bloke is. He's Mr. Sky, isn't he? He's on, it's on Sky. Let's call him Mr. Sky. Bit of respect if you call him Mr. But yeah, he says, when he speaks to players on the telephone, he seems to have the golden touch. When players talk to him, I don't know what he says to them, but whatever he says to them, it seems to work. Is it, do you want loads of money to come and live and play football in London? Is that what it is? Is that what he says? Yep. I'm not sure it's the conversation with Frank Lampard that necessarily uh, clinches to deal with anybody, but the conversation with um, Roman Abramovich's financial advisor is probably a, a more fruitful conversation. Did Danny Granville play with Frank Lampard at Chelsea? 1997-98. I feel like Granville will have left. Will have left by then. Okay. Well, still, he's implicated. Right. Who's your villain of the week? Danny Granville went on to Manchester City as well, didn't he? And where did uh, Frank Lampard end up after Chelsea? Manchester City. It all comes together. So Danny Granville's the, the villain. Sick of him. <laughs> <laughs> I give it Danny Mills for just because I don't like him. Yeah, but he is a bit of a gobshite, isn't he? Yeah, I, d- I didn't used to have a strong opinion on him, but he just shut up, Danny. Stop firing warnings all over the place. If you're going to talk bollocks without any actual knowledge, at least start your own podcast like we have. <laughs> right, let's move on to the Andy Hughes Hero Award nominations. Let's get through these. Uh, Gareth Southgate, obviously been trolling the Villa fans over Grealish. Andy called up Calvin. Uh, and Calvin then as well, he can have a nomination. So both of those two. Yeah, I mean, we didn't probably talk enough about Calvin because we were too busy laughing about Grealish being left out but it is an unbelievable achievement for him because I don't think anyone saw this coming a few years ago that he'd be quite rightly in the England squad and I think he's got a fairly good chance of actually getting in the team and staying there as well because he's it's admittedly probably quite a good time for him because there's not anyone else exceptional in his position but you know the fact that he's been able to to get in there it's an awful lot of credit to him and the, the staff at Leeds who's had faith in him over this period. There was one of the more reasonable Aston Villa podcast, I think it was the Holt end, did point out that the competition in Jack Grealish's preferred position begins with Raheem Sterling and kind of continues to be quite fierce from there. But the thing that that has annoyed the Villa fans about the Phillips being judged on his championship performances, like, fuck the, the Grealish factor. It is actually an extra feather in Calvin's cap that he has managed to get called up for England while playing in the second division. He has demonstrated his ability to that extent which to go back to the Grealish thing is something that Jack couldn't do Facts Should we nominate the Leeds fans who got Niagara Falls lit up in the Leeds colours Have you got their names there? Kenny Donison and Andrew Bowden Bowden I'm sure I say that one but um, yeah that was nice wasn't it? We're back Yeah well done I never, It's the notest thing I ever knew I wanted but when I saw it I thought ah nice that Is uh, Niagara Falls one of the eight wonders of the world? Yes 
Okay, assuming we're right. One down, seven to go. Crack on, Kenny. Get on it, Andrew. You can do this. Nominations then, come on. Who else? Ellie Goulding. Go on. Acer Media. You know we're owned by Acer Group, Adria Radrizzani's holding company for us as part of them. Acer Media, they've changed the name. They're now Live Now Media Limited and they were selling tickets. Or is it Live Now Media? Oh, I think it's Live Now because it's all about live events, live concerts. And the first one they did to, that I'm aware of was... Uh, Eleanor Goulding, who she did those songs, didn't she? She did the one about being under the sheets that's very good. And there's the other one where she goes into a casino and she's on a horse. And she did the both, you know, she's got a nice, uh, a good voice. She's a good singer. Those are good songs. And she did a good gig at the Victoria and Albert Museum. And it was, um, uh, you could buy tickets to the online stream, basically, because nobody can go to, to concerts at the moment, so... Um, Radrizzani's company have swooped in and are putting on these sort of televisual events over the internet and um, presumably didn't get the LUTV staff to run it because it worked and everybody seems to have had a nice time. Worth pointing out, gig was last Wednesday when all the revenue from this was raked in and uh, a few days after that, both Rodrigo and Cock deals done. So I don't know how much Eleanor made for Live Now Media owned by Andrea Ratchetani, or, you know, we were given all the credit earlier to the Premier League broadcasting payments. The Ellie Goulding broadcasting payments perhaps need to be uh, taken into account here. So a hero in my eyes. Flowing from that, we need to give love to Victor Orta, don't we? Because he's on a bit of a roll at the minute. We just took Ellie Goulding's money and spent it. I mean, are we going to forgive him for the Bok? And I mean, he's got some way to go to probably redeem himself a Wasim boy. But Bok, I mean, I think it undoes Bok to these latest deals. It probably undoes, who else? Who's the second worst signing? Vernon Anita. Christ, we're still probably paying him, aren't we? I think we paid Vernon Anita off. I've got a feeling that Lawrence de Bok's contract has still got another season to go after this one. Do you know his full name? Nope. Lawrence Henry Christine de Bok. That's a, a, well, Henry, caught my eye. It's an unusual combination of, Names, but we, we've just farmed him out on loan again. He's gone to Zulte Vergram in Belgium, perhaps with a hint of why he wasn't a Marcelo Bielsa player there. He says that uh, um, he says that all the ingredients are there for me to succeed. I want to rediscover the, the pleasure of playing and return to the best Lawrence de Bock. That's what I'm going to fight for. After the lockdown, I was seriously behind in my condition. But I've worked hard for the past three weeks. It's like, yeah, um, there's maybe a, a reason there why Bielsa didn't, didn't fancy you. I mean, things happen, don't they? Not every signing turns out right. It's just not all of them have 20-year contracts like fucking Lawrence Henry Christine appears to. I don't know how he got into such bad shape as well. I mean, that's his assessment that he was seriously behind in his condition but all I ever saw from him on um, his Instagram story was just he's been playing clay court tennis like non-stop that's got to keep you reasonably fit like Roger Federer is quite a strong lad isn't he so maybe he's just shit at that as well any other nominations we nominated him for being villains but I think Leeds and Adidas for for making some stuff that people actually want to buy because previous years when there wasn't a stock issue under Macron it's because the stuff that was made was so disgusting and for a team that was so terrible that they couldn't give the shit away. Whereas now everyone wants a bit of it. So well done. And we've heard from Angus Kinnear via the Trust meeting that Leeds have ordered 300,000 shirts this year, which is twice as many as we sold last year. 
which by all accounts was our record-breaking year. So we've certainly levelled up in every regard. Hopefully they'll be uh, giving a bonus to uh, another hero nomination, Sadri Alioski. Is it um, Janet's brother? I think it's his dad. I'm not sure, though. I thought it was his dad, but a member of the Alioski family. Took a photo of him in the away kit and stuck it on the internet. There, fuck your embargo, Adidas. They're all the same, that lot, aren't they? You can't, you can't control any of them. But he did at least, uh, um, it did quite well, actually, because I think after all the mock-ups and kind of teaser photos that have been going around, people were quite dubious. Now we've actually seen a photo of Alioski wearing it. I think the reaction was quite positive, wasn't it? So sadly, uh, he's done a little bit of, um, what's the word, like advance. He's gone out and prepared the ground for the, uh, the no doubt, underwhelming launch that will follow because you can't do better than a photo with uh, Alioski taken by his dad so who's your hero I was going to say a final nomination for Liam Cooper as well just because it's his birthday and he's been here for a lot hasn't he he's been here through some times is what we'll say he was here when was it here when Nicky Jose was here he was wasn't he you know he spanned that period and he's he survived it all and he's still only 28 years old I feel like he's he's probably about 80 in his head given the things he's had to live through at Leeds. But he's doing well and he's a Premier League footballer and uh, best of luck to him. Go on then, pick one. Calvin, surely. Our first international for since Alan Smith. Was it Alan Smith or Paul Robinson? I can't remember. Somewhat a long time ago. I would go along with that. Yeah, nice work, Calvin. England's Calvin Phillips. That's a nice ring to it. Congratulations, Calvin. Enjoy the volcanoes when you go over to Iceland and when you go to Denmark, the bacon. They like bacon, don't they, in Denmark? They do, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. That's uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. Lego and mermaids. <laughs> Perfect. Mermaids made out of Lego, if they can manage it, covered in bacon. And the the, uh, the the pigs from under the sea is the uh, literal translation of mermaid, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> and that wraps up this episode of the podcast. Oh dear me. Um, Look out for the extra ball this week. That is on the way. Uh, you're, and, you're picturing uh, Kenneth Stroud with a, in a, a diving suit now, aren't you? Yeah. And check out the merchandise. Uh, links to that on the website, thesquareball.net. We'll catch you next time. See you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.